Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. This evening, uh, I want to share with you my favorite subject, and that's the subject of prayer. We're going to talk about how to pray. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about theory today. I'm going to share with you in the next few minutes what I do every single day and what I believe every Christian ought to do every single day. I believe this, and I'm going to give you some very simple basic truths about prayer. Number one, you need to understand what the term prayer means, what the word prayer means. I was, I was privileged when I was in college to be taught by a man named John R. Rice. He taught the, uh, on the subject of prayer and explained to us as students that the word prayer doesn't mean to praise, it doesn't mean to thank, it doesn't mean to worship, it doesn't mean to adore. Prayer, the word prayer itself means one thing, and that word means to ask. God wants us to ask over and over. The Word itself, we are told in the Word of God, we are told to pray, and what God is saying is, I want you to ask. I want you to be people that are asking me. I want you as an individual, when you need something, to ask me. God wants us to be people who, on a daily basis, come before Him and ask Him for things. God wants us to ask. So remember this, number one, that prayer is asking. Number two, I believe before we go to God and pray, before we go to God and ask Him for things, there are certain things that we ought to do to prepare ourselves for prayer. Now again, what I'm going to tell you, to do, tell you in just a minute is something that I want you to know that I practice every single day. So, so uh, and this morning I did this, and, I'll, and I did it yesterday, and I'll do this tomorrow morning. There are, there are five things that I believe that Christians ought to do besides prayer to prepare themselves for prayer. I call this preparation for prayer. I could take 45 minutes and talk to you about these things, but I'm not going to because I want to get to the heart of the message. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples, now listen, after seeing the power of God, after seeing God move in a miraculous way, after seeing God use them to cast out demons, and after seeing God use them and hearing, listen, hearing God talk about the Samaritan and, and how the good Samaritan helped when other people weren't, after seeing God talk to them about forgiveness, they come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, they say, listen, Jesus, they, they, Jesus is praying, and they said to Jesus, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples to pray. You're telling us that we're going to need to, we're going to do certain things, we need to do certain things, we need to forgive, we need to live holy lives. We need to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus, in the next 12 verses, is going to teach them how to pray, how to be effective in prayer. Now, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the meat of that message in just a minute. But this is what I think, I really believe, Christians ought to, there's five things Christians ought to do every day before they pray. Number one, I believe that Christians ought to worship God every single day. Worship God every single day. Now, Today we use the term worship, the connotation of the word worship has changed. We think about worship, we think about singing like we did a few minutes ago, but, uh, or, or having worship services. But the word worship, just like the word prayer means to ask, the word worship in the Bible has a specific meaning. And that means, the word in the Bible means to fall down before. The Bible tells us that the that the wise men came to where Jesus was, and they saw the baby, and they worshiped him and fell down before him. In Nehemiah, the Bible says they bowed their face to the ground and worshiped God. Over and over and over again, when God talks about worship, he's saying this, you need to bow before God. Every single day, Christians ought to find a way. Now, if you're physically unable, then just bow your head at where you sit. But if you're physically able to, I want to encourage you to do this before God. Bow before Him. When you get down on your face before God, or you fall down, you lay down. This is my preferred position. I lay down before the Lord. 
This says, God, I recognize that you are the master and I am the servant. This position recognizes that he is holy and you are not. This position recognizes who he is. And we bow before him. We worship him. And we say, God, you're the master. I'm the servant. I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. God, I recognize all I deserve is hell. You deserve glory and honor and praise and worship. And I bow before you to worship you. When the Bible says to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, when the Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, that's what God is talking about. You say, why is that important? Because we need to understand this, that when we begin to pray, you are stepping out of the physical realm and you're entering into the spiritual realm. And you need to understand that when you're alone in a closet, by the way, we are absolutely nuts if we go into a room by ourselves and shut the door where there are no other human beings and speak out loud to nobody. We are crazy. We are insane. But what we do is this. When we go into a room and there's nobody else and we shut the door and we bow before Almighty God, and we speak out loud, you are speaking into the spiritual realm. You say, why do we need to speak out loud? I'll I'll show you this in just a minute. We need to speak out loud because demons can't hear you. Well, I'm talking to God. Yeah, God can hear your thoughts, but you need to understand again, you're going into spiritual warfare. Demons are not omniscient, and they can't hear what you're thinking. They can put thoughts in your mind, but they can't hear what you're thinking. And when you go into that room without any human beings there, you're walking into the spiritual realm. God is there. He can hear your thoughts. But when you speak out loud, when you say something out loud, listen, the demons can hear you. And not only can the demons hear you, the angels can hear you. And there's rejoicing on the part of those spiritual beings that love God because there's somebody on planet Earth that actually believes that the God of the universe hears and answers their prayers. And you go and you bow before Him, they can see what you are doing. And they are seeing that this is to God and that you're believing in that spiritual realm. Job is a great illustration of this. Job, till the day he died, probably did not realize that when he was being, when he was being uh, tempted by Satan, that he was on center stage. And when Job, after his persecution, after all that came on him happened, when Job bowed before God and said, the, the Lord giveth out loud, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He did not know that these these thousands of years later, we would be talking about him because he was on center stage in heaven. When you go before God, you may not be important enough, like I'm not important enough for Satan to care about you individually, but there's some demons and there's some angels that are watching what you're doing and you're in the presence of God and it's bringing glory to God in the heavenlies. Bow before him, worship him. It's sad that there are multiplied millions of Muslims who fall before a false god every single day. Three times a day they do this. They, they worship their, their demonic God, and yet Christians don't take time to worship the Lord. Number one, worship the Lord every day. Number two, thank the Lord every day. Have you got anything to be thankful for? If you do, say amen. amen. You have something to be thankful for. If somebody looked at you today and said, I love you, you have something to be thankful for. If you could hear them say, I love you, you have something to be thankful for. If you're somebody sitting next to you that cares about you, you have something to be thankful for. If you're sitting in padded pews, you have something to be thankful for. If if you're living in this place, it's 105 degrees in Las Vegas, you have something to be thankful for. The Bible tells us that we're to thank the Lord in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And in the Psalms, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So daily, you ought to worship him. Daily, you ought to thank him. Daily, you ought to praise him. 
See, what's the difference between praise and thanks? There's a big difference. Thanks is saying this, Sammy, thank you for that song. Thank you for singing. Thank you for leading. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for saying nice things to me. Thank you for the things you did for me today. That's thanks. Praise is this. Man, you're a good looking dude. Man, look at you. Look at, man, did you pick that shirt or did your wife pick it? I mean, you, you have great taste. Man, you, you're just, do you know how wonderful you are? Most times when people, when you start talking to people like that, telling them how good they are, they sort of get like, okay, talk to somebody else right now. Not my sons. My sons would say, bring it on. But, uh, and I don't know about Sammy, but, uh, but here's the deal. Praise is telling somebody how wonderful they are. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. God wants us in his presence to tell him how wonderful he is. God wants us to tell him how magnificent he is, how amazing he is. And so we ought not just thank him, but daily we ought to tell him. Now, if you're like me, I'm not eloquent. I don't have a lot of fancy words, and it seems like God deserves some fancy words. I mean, God deserves some great words of of affirmation, some great exceedingly wonderful words to be, to, to, I, I would like to be able to say and think of things. I, I just don't even think in, in those kind of words. But you know what God's given us on this planet? God's given us songwriters. And those songwriters write wonderful things about Him. So what I do every day after I worship, about worship Him and praise Him and thank Him, uh, then I praise Him by singing songs to Him. This morning, I sang to him, your name is wonderful, your name is wonderful, your name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord, you are the mighty king, you're master of everything, your name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. Now listen to this, you're the great shepherd, you're the rock of all ages, Almighty God are you. See, I wouldn't think of those things. I would want to be able to, but, but the songwriter already wrote. And today, man, there's some songwriters that are writing some praise songs that are absolutely amazing. They make the people of my generation look like they were statues or something. Uh, they don't know. But man, there are songs of praise that we can sing to the Lord and that we sing in our church and that, man, it's wonderful. The songs we sang tonight about how wonderful our God is. He, we need to do that. Nobody else around. It's just you and him. And you're telling him and singing to him how wonderful he is. You need to praise him every day. And then, then next... You need to confess sin to him every day. Confess sin to him. Now listen, confessing sin doesn't mean you have to confess all the things you've done wrong. Confession of sin is, is confessing to him the, fins, the sins that, you're, you, you are, that you are tempted with every day. We're tempted with jealousy. We're tempted with bitterness. We live, listen, in an age where the spirits of division are trying to cause division between husbands and wives, between, between Christians and other Christians. So that, so that you, you, uh, for, so, for no reason at all, all of a sudden you get this thought, that person doesn't like me. Or that person calls himself a Christian, but they're, they're vile and wicked. And look what they're doing. They're probably deliberately deceiving people. We live in a day when demonic spirits are doing everything they can to divide, to cause fear. All these things are sin. And you need to be able to say to God on a daily basis, God, I recognize the reason I got angry with that person is there's a spirit of anger. And I, I confess that spirit of anger to you as sin. God, don't let it control me today. I confess a spirit of division or jealousy or bitterness or competition with my brother or sister in Christ. I confess it. And you confess those things to God. You say, well, I can't think of anything to confess. Then if you're married, ask your wife. <laughs> if you're living with somebody, ask them. Just get, just get uh, they'll share with you the things you need, or they might be nice and not. But, but I'm telling you, we need to confess our sin. You said, well, if you can't really think of anything, then do what David said. Say, Lord, show me if there's any wicked thing in me. So you can confess that to God. 
So we're going to every day worship Him. We're going to every day thank Him. We're going to every day confess our sin to Him. We're going to every day praise Him. And then lastly, listen, this is all in preparation for prayer. Every day you need to tell Jesus you love Him. You need to say, Jesus, I love you. You need to tell God the Father you love Him. You need to tell God the Holy Spirit, I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Heavenly Father. I love you, Lord. I I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you. And I'm selfish about my love. I know I only love you because you first loved me. And I confess that to you, but I want you to know I love you. And I want to do right. I want to obey you. I love you. Tell him you love him. You say, every day, every day. Listen, I've been married for 45 years. When my wife says, I love you, she still gets a smile from me. I mean, it brings a smile to my face. I have 19 grandchildren, and I know what you're thinking when I say that. How can a guy that young have 19 grandchildren? I know. You don't have to tell me that. I know it. And so, but I have 19 grandchildren. One of my grandchildren, uh, I, when, when my oldest grandson was only four years old, I hadn't seen him for two weeks. And, and man, I wanted to see him. I hadn't seen him for two weeks. I wanted to see him. He'd been, I'd been gone, and he'd been gone. And, and, and I, so we had this Fourth of July picnic going on, and I drove up to where the Fourth of July picnic was going on, and I got out of the car, and I said to my wife, I said, listen, before we see anybody else, I want to see Jonathan. And she said, okay, so I do too. So we got out of the car. I drive a Mustang. I have a red Mustang convertible, five-speed I really look good in that Mustang. Anyway, I, and, uh, I, I, drove up, I drove up to where it was, where he was, and, and I thought, now let's go find him. So we got out of the car, and we're walking through the mountains looking for Jonathan. And when we do that, now he's about four or five years old at the time, and all of a sudden this whole group of four and five-year-olds come running by, and I see that Jonathan is leading the pack. So I did something a dumb grandfather does. I did something that was embarrassing to him. I'm thinking, I'm excited to see him. He'll probably be really excited to see me. And I said, hey, Jonathan. And as soon as I said that, he stops. And I think, oh, no, I just did a dumb thing. He's out here being cool with his friends. He's probably going to think, oh, Grandpa's going to embarrass me now. I am not going to go up and hug him and do that. I decided, don't you realize this is not cool what you're doing? This is what was going through my mind. He ran and he stops. He turns around and he looks at me, and all the kids look at me. I said, Jonathan! He turns around and looks at me, and all those thoughts went through my mind. And his eyes got really big, and he said, Grandpa! And he came and he ran to me and he hugged me up and he said, I love you, Grandpa. I said, I love you too. And then I said, I'll give you my car. Anything you want, you're going to have. He just loved me. And then he got, he said, I got to go. And he ran off and they went through the woods. Man, I love being loved by my grandkids. I love being loved. I, I love it when my wife says, or any of my kids say, I love you. My, my adult uh, sons will leave the house and kiss me on the cheek and say, hey, I want you to know I love you. I, I love my kids and I want their love. Now you say, well, I don't know, what, why would God want my love? Let me, let me tell you a story. You probably have never heard this story. But there was this guy named Pete. Pete uh, was very, very close to a man named Jesus. And he said to that man, listen, no matter whatever happens to you, no matter what they ever do to you, I'll be there with you. In fact, I'm willing to die with you. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you're willing to die? No, you're going to deny me three times. And Jesus stood there and watched, according to John, as he denied him three times. Treat me bad once, and I can cut you off. Treat me bad twice, and I'll think, why in the world did I ever let that happen? Treat me bad three times, I'm going to throw a brick at you. You understand? That's the way I am. But that's not the way Jesus is. Peter denied him three times, and it was just a few days after the resurrection, Jesus meets Peter on the seashore, and you know the story. Peter, the lonely guy that denied him three times, he said, Peter, I just want to ask you one question. Why did you do that? Why did you deny me? Why did you? He didn't do any of that. How many times did I have to tell you this was going to? He didn't do any of that. You know what he said? Peter, I just want to ask you a question. Do you love me? He cared that Jesus loved him. Can you imagine that? 
I wonder why in the world would God care if a worm like Dave Tice ever said, I love you. I don't know why he wants to hear it from this worm, but he does. He wants me to say, I love you. And so he's going to hear it over and over and over again. And when I even tell him, God, I feel inadequate to even tell you I love you, and I know I'm selfish in my love, but I want you to know I love you. I love you. I fear you. I respect you. I want to honor you because I love you because of what you've done for me. I love you. Tell Jesus you love him every day. Now, I've taken about 10 minutes to tell you the five things you ought to do before you pray. That, it'll take you a lot less time to do that. You can do that in a couple of minutes. Bow before him. Worship him every day. Thank him every day. Praise him every day. Confess your sin to him, and then tell him how much you love him. After you confess sin, it's really easy to say, I love you, because you know he's forgiven you for all those sins. So then, after you've done that, then pray. First thing I pray for is this. I pray, Father, fill me with your spirit and help me not to, help me, help, help me to control my tongue. I pray this simple thing every day. I say, Lord, help me to praise and thank and glorify and honor and bless. And help me not to complain or grumble or backbite or judge or blaspheme because it's so easy for me to say the wrong thing and for me to be negative and for me to be unkind. It's so easy. So I work at and I ask God to control my tongue so I'll say the right thing and not the wrong thing because I always so easily say the wrong thing. Then I begin to pray. Now, let's look at what Jesus said about praying. The Bible says, and it came to pass in verse 1, that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. And he said unto them, when you pray. There's two things I want to point out before, in fact, three things, one of them I've already pointed out in these first two verses up to where we are right now. I want you to see that he had a certain place that he prayed. If you're going to be successful in your prayer, in a, in your prayer life, you need to have a place of prayer. In your home, there should be a place that you know you're going to go to, and that's where you're going to pray every morning. Why? Because if you're like me, you, you, um, you get up and you're groggy and, and you're thinking about everything else. If you don't have a place of prayer, then you're not going to go and pray. So have a place in your house, some place in your house. If you travel like I do, when I went into the hotel last night, I, I looked and said, okay, uh, where am I going to pray tomorrow morning when I get up? So I have a place of prayer. Tomorrow morning when I get up, I'll know where I'm going to pray because I've already set that place. Uh, have a place in the house that you live in, it, where you are, where you know you're going to get away and be alone with God and pray. It might be the bathroom. I don't know. It might be a closet in your house. It might be just someplace where you can go alone and be with God, a place of prayer. He was in a certain place Then I want you to see in verse 2, and he said unto them, when you pray. You need to have a where, but you also need to have a when. There needs to be a time of prayer. Now listen, we should be praying all the time. Well, preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll preach this and people will come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, I just believe that we ought to be in a constant state of prayer. And that means they don't have a prayer time. Uh, listen, if you come up to me today and say to me, uh, uh, I, would you pray for a certain thing? What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, let's stop. Most times I'll say, let's stop right now and let's just pray for that right now. Because I might not, I might not remember you tomorrow morning. But, I, but I'll pray for you right now. And I think we ought to be constantly praying. I'm driving down the road. My wife will say, hey, honey, I'm, so, I'm concerned about what's going on. She told me today, she said, uh, we were out somewhere, and she said, Hope is calling. And she said that our baby, our, our youngest baby is named Daisy Dawn. Isn't that a cute name? Daisy Dawn. Anyway, uh, I, she, said, uh, she said, Daisy's having a hard time breathing. And I said, well, let's stop right now and pray. And so I stopped. And we were taking a tour of this campus, in fact. And we stopped with I, my wife and my daughter on the phone, and we prayed for Daisy Dawn that to be able to, 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 be able to breathe. And, and so we did that. Uh, and we ought to do that. We ought to like, constantly, constantly be in an attitude of prayer. We, we should be that way. But that's not going to be the case if you're not somebody who takes time to pray 
every day. You, there needs to be a time, whether it's a morning or evening or noon, there needs to be a time set. Now, I've had people say, well, I tried that once before. I tried setting, I was going to pray every single morning, but then I woke up one morning and I blew it and I forgot it and I thought, well, I just can't do this. I just can't be consistent in prayer. And I think, why? you don't do that with anything else. There's not a Baptist in this room that doesn't, that doesn't have lunch. You eat lunch, you eat lunch, and it's set for somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock. Or maybe you say, oh, no, you, you've missed me. I always, I never eat lunch because I'm so busy. Then you eat breakfast, and you, or you eat dinner. You see, we have a pattern in our life for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You see, that you, that's part of being an American. Thank God I'm an American. Uh, that's, you, that's, that's you being, that's what we do now. Every once in a while, something happens. You get busy. You're running all day long, and you miss lunch. And you don't say, I miss lunch. I'm giving up on that lunch thing. You know, I just, I, I, I tried lunch. I, I did it for several weeks, but, man, I blew it. I, I'm giving up on lunch. You don't do that. Why do we do that with prayer? Why do we let the devil tell us, well, you know, you're just inconsistent. You missed two days of prayer. God doesn't want to hear from you again. Why don't you just get down and say, God, I'm sorry I missed two days of prayer. He'll say, oh, good to hear from you today. That's what will happen. Look, have a pattern. My pattern is to get up every morning between 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning and spend time with God. That's my pattern. That's my pattern. That's what I do. So I tell people I pray for them on a daily basis, and I do. Pray for your pastor on a daily basis. I do. Uh, and, 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 and he's in my daily prayer time. There are people that I look at in my church, and I, and I can say to them, I pray for them every day. I, 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 I say to police officers, I see a police officer, I say, I want you to know, I pray for police officers every single day. I can say that. Because there's a time between 5 and 6 o'clock that I start praying, and it's normally around 7 o'clock that I'm done praying, and I, I'm, I've spent time praying, asking God to work in, in, in different people's lives. Listen, you need to have a time when you pray, a time when you pray. So whatever time that is, you need to set it aside. And you say, and if you miss it one day, if you miss it two days, if you miss it three days in a row, you have a pattern to go back to. You have, this is what I, 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 I do. Something happens and your schedule gets all mixed up, then when you get back to time, you, you do, do it again. You go back to the normal schedule. So have that pattern of prayer. Number one, have a place. Number two, he says, when you pray, uh, he, said, he says, when you pray, have a, a when, a where and a when. And then, I, as I already said, he says, when you pray, listen to what he says. He says, when you pray, say. The word say means to speak out loud. The psalmist said, my voice shall thou hear in the morning. We even get saved by praying. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, uh, with my lips I will praise thee. Over and over and over in Scripture, God tells us to pray out loud. I say, when, 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 uh, why should you pray out loud? People will say, so you don't fall asleep, or so, uh, whatever. I don't, here's the deal. I believe it's because, again, as I said before, we walk into the spiritual realm and, and it, we're doing spiritual battle. And it's not just God that's hearing us, it's those other spiritual beings that are in that room that are being defeated if, there's, if, they're, if they're demonic and they're, they're, being, uh, they're, they're praising God if, it's, if they're uh, on His side. So when you pray, say, and then what are you supposed to say? I love this. He says, say, our Father. By the word, by the way, the word say means this, say these words. He's going to tell us, now don't think I'm Catholic. First time I had somebody explain this to me, I thought, oh, you're just being Catholic. You know, Catholics say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God, kingdom become. And they, and they repeat this. And, and I thought, but let me tell you something. Keep this a secret between us. Jesus isn't Catholic. And he's the one that's saying to do this, all right? He says, he says, when you pray, say. Now, in Matthew, it says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. But here in Luke which is a different event, he says, no, you say these words. Say, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, why does he say, pray our Father? Sammy, here's why he says, pray our Father. He says to pray our Father for two reasons. Number one, because he's not just my Father, he's our Father. And when we're praying this, 
when I'm praying this, I'm not just praying this for me. I'm praying this for you. Wow. I'm, I, this is a singular prayer for everybody in the family. You see, we, when you got saved, you became a part of a great big family. Now, we've got some odd family members who do odd things. Can you agree with that? We've got, some odd, we got brothers that, that, don't, that don't praise God the same way we do, and they, they dress different than we do, and they act different than we do. Little strange people. I've got, in my personal family, I've got some strange relatives. If you've got some strange relatives, are you the strange relative in your family? We've, got, we've, we've all got strange family members. But, but we're all part of the family of God. When you got saved, you didn't get born again into this church. You got born again into a family that is a worldwide family. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, and at that time there's only 11 of them, and, and, then, and Judas. So at that time he's saying, pray our Father, not your Father. Recognize that you're praying for us. And then I love this. Listen to this. When he says, pray our Father, I was, I was on my knees and I was praying one morning and I was saying, Lord, I have a hard time understanding the Trinity totally. I, I just want you to know, it's, you're hard to comprehend. How can you be God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and yet three different people? And, and then this thought just came to my mind. I thought, I thought um, who prayed our Father? Who said pray our Father? And I thought... Well, Jesus, you said, pray our Father. And then the thought came into my mind. I'm not having visions, and I'm not Pentecostal. I, I, but, but the voice came into my mind again. Not the voice, but the thought came into my mind. Pray, well, who said, pray our Father? And I said, Jesus, you said, pray our Father. And then the thought came to my mind, who? And I thought, Jesus, you said, pray our Father. And then it hit me. It hit me. Where's Brother Doug? Brother Doug? This hit me. This is what hit me. Jesus said, pray, our Father. When I go before our Father, I'm not going by myself, Sammy. Jesus is going with me to our Father. Jesus hears. If the Father hears Jesus, I get to go with the Lord to talk to our Father. Wow, what a wonderful thought. I get to go with our Father every morning. I get to go with Jesus to our Father. Pray our Father. Now this, again, is a prayer prayed by me for all of us. And you'll see that in just a minute. He said, pray our Father who art in heaven. You're the one that controls it all. Boy, it's wonderful to remember every day that he controls it all. Because when somebody comes up and is yelling at your face and his spit is hitting your face, it's not wonderful to know our God's in control of even the idiots in this planet. It's a wonderful thing. Our Father, who art in heaven, then he says this, pray, hallowed be thy name. That is, let your holy name be manifest. Let your holy name be manifest. Imagine this. Imagine if Every Christian in the world would be praying collectively for all other Christians in the world that His holy name would be manifest out of our lives. And then He said, let your holy name be manifest in our lives. Let your kingdom come. People will say, well, that's talking about Jesus coming again. It's Jesus coming in us. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said when the Pharisees said, where is the kingdom? He said, the kingdom of God is within you. When you got saved, this is so amazing. When you got saved, the Holy, here's what happened. You called on Jesus. You said, Jesus, please save me. Jesus said, Father, would you send the Holy Spirit? And, and, And the Father sent the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. And your dead spirit became alive. And the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Read John chapter 16. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought Jesus and he brought God the Father. The kingdom of God lives inside of you through the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God 
have the Holy Spirit, and wherever you go, He goes with you. And you should be praying every day, Lord, let your kingdom be manifest through my life and through my brothers and sisters across this nation, across this world. Do you know in this, in this nation that 86 million people in this nation claim that they believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? I'm not talking about superficial Christians. I'm talking about Christians who say, from all different stripes, they believe that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is God, and you got to ask Him to save you to get to heaven. 86 million. Can you imagine if 86 million people began to pray, Father, let Your holy name be manifest through all of us. Let Your kingdom come through all of us. Let Your will be done in us, in this earth, just like it's done in heaven. Wow! What a powerful truth. What a powerful thing would happen when 86 million people start praying that. You say, we can't change 86 million, but we can, we can start praying the way God tells us to pray. Then our focus is not on what we want. It's not on getting the new car or the new job or getting out of trouble financially or, or having whatever we want. It's focused on what He wants us to focus on, His will. His holiness, His kingdom being done in this earth just like it's done in heaven. And then we pray, give us now. Now I can come to Him and say, give me, give me this day my daily bread. And what I'm saying is this, God, give me now everything I need. Give us, by the way, notice this, in the passage, He says, give us, pray, give us this day. He doesn't say, give me he says, pray, 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 give us, give all of my brothers and sisters who are wanting your kingdom to come, your will to be done, and your holiness to be man manifest. God, give us this day everything we need to manifest your holiness, to, to do your kingdom work, and to see your will done on this earth, just like it's done in heaven. Give us everything that we need. We're praying for the power of God in our lives. We're praying for physical and material needs. We're praying for, for social needs. We're praying for what we need to do His will. We might get specific about that later on. But right now we're just saying, God, give us everything we need to do Your will. And God knows what you need to do to, to do His will. You can pray for anything then. You can pray for anything to do His will. Because your mind is focused on what He wants. Give us this day our daily needs. Forgive us our sins. Oh, so important. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. He says, listen, pray that God will forgive you. That's a reminder that He has forgiven you as you forgive others. Let me remind you of this. I don't have time to go into this, but Matthew chapter, 12, Matthew chapter 18, write that down and read the story. You know the story. The, the disciples, Peter comes and says, hey, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus says, no, what about like 490 times uh, or more? Uh, 70 times seven. And he wasn't saying just 490 times and punch him in the face. He's saying 490 times is just the beginning. You just perpetually, completely forgive. Now he tells the story about a rich guy who has a servant who owns him a bunch of money and the servant can't pay him. And so the servant says, says, I can't pay you. And he says, okay, I'm selling you and I'm selling your kids and I'm selling you. And the guy pleads. And says, no, no, don't, don't do it, please don't do it. And he says, okay, you're forgiven. And, and so then that guy goes out, and you know the story. That guy goes out and he tells this other guy, hey, um, you owe me some money. And the guy says, oh, please forgive me. And he says, no, I'm not going to forgive you. And you're going to jail. And he sends him off to jail. And the other servants go back and tell the master. And the master says, and he says to the master, uh, master, do you know, hey, do you know that that guy didn't forgive him after you forgave him everything and he won't forgive? And they come back. Now listen great story. This is a real paraphrase, okay? He comes back and he says, listen, would you, would, uh, uh, he says, or they tell him he won't forgive them. And so the master calls him back and says, you wouldn't forgive him after I forgave you all that? And he says, okay, because of that, I'm going to turn you over to the tormentors. Now listen, listen to this, catch this. Jesus says, you got that story? He said, let me tell you this. When you refuse to forgive your brother when they've sinned against you, your heavenly Father, this is just, this slapped me in the head. He said, your heavenly Father will not, your heavenly Father 
will turn you over to tormentors. Your father will turn you over to tormentors. You say, I, I never read that before. Go and read it. The end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. He said, you're going to be turned over to tormentors until you forgive your brother their trespasses. Wow. Some of us have been hurt when we were children. An uncle, an aunt, a father, a mother, a brother, or sister. Some of us have been hurt really bad. And bitterness has been in our life. You need to understand this. If we don't forgive, the Father says, hey, I've forgiven you everything. But if you don't forgive, you're turned over to tormentors until you do forgive. That's what Jesus said. He's a pretty good authority. Now, that's true in, a, in, a, in, in major offenses that come into our life, but that's also true in the offenses that happen every single day. Every single day you work with different people, you live next to people. There's people that you live with, like, you know, a husband, wife, a father, mother, a children, and they're there all the time, and they do those things that just drive you nuts. They drive you nuts, you know? My sister used to say, Hi, Davey. Davey, how are you doing? And it used to drive me nuts. Just little irritating things that brothers, that sisters do to brothers. And of course, I was a perfect brother, and I never did anything like that to her. But I, I, there were just irritating things. And we hold bitterness. We get upset because they're doing that, and they do that. And you always do that. And you do this over and don't you? And, and it's easy not to forgive in those little things. What Jesus is saying is you need to live in a perpetual state of forgiveness. Because when you don't live in a perpetual state of forgiveness, you need to understand you're surrounded by sinful people. Christians that sin and they irritate you and, it's, and you can get mad at them for what they've done. Don't let it happen. Forgive us our sins. As we are perpetually forgiving everyone around us that irritates us, everyone around us that has sinned against us, Father, forgive us our sins as we also forgive others that are sinning against us. You have to have that. And then he says this, I love this. He says, pray, lead us not into temptation. The Pope tried to change that a little while back. He didn't have the right to do that just in case you Baptists don't know that, he can't change what Jesus said. What was he saying? He was saying, lead us not into temptation. The idea there is, Lord, help us to make wise decisions so that we don't go through the wrong door. It's like this door is in front of me, 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 this door is in front of me. God, give me wisdom so that I don't open the door with the trial behind it. You can pray, God, lead us not into trials. The word temptation there means trials. And, 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 and I love that because I don't like trials. I don't like trials. So every single day I pray, Lord, lead us not into trials. Lead us not into trials. You may have avoided a trial because I prayed for you. Lead us not into trials. You say, wait a minute, aren't trials good for us? Well, that's what they tell us. But Jesus said, I can pray, lead us not into trials. I don't like trials. I don't like pain. I, was, I had a kidney stone one day. It was a horrible thing. Doctors tell us that having a kidney stone is as painful or more painful than having labor pains. I've never had labor pains, but I've had kidney stones. And I'm telling you this, if men had to go through that to have babies, there'd be no more babies born on the earth. Kidney stones, I'm laying in bed. I'm bent over in bed, and, I'm, and I can't even get up to go to church. I call on the phone. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. This is not heresy. This is in James, and James is inspired. And, and he said, he said, uh, he said, let them call on the elders of the church and let them pray over them, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will lift them up. I called up my son, who's my executive pastor, and I said to him, I said, would you please, after church, come over here. You're going to have to preach. Come over here afterwards and anoint me with oil and pray that God will take this pain away. And he, he uh, after church, him and Pastor Shore, our associate pastor, came over. The Bible says, let them call, and the elders, it's got to be at least two. And so they, they both came over. Uh, they anointed me with oil. I'm laying in bed going, oh, 
and, he, and, and they put the, put the oil on my forehead, and is that the way to do it? That's the way we do it. He put the oil on my forehead, and they, and they, they laid hands on me, and then Matthew prayed this prayer. He said, Lord Jesus, I pray for my father. Help him to endure the pain. And I said, no, I don't want to endure the pain. I don't want pain. I don't want to endure anything. Matt said, you can't interrupt my prayer. I said, I don't want that prayer. Pray pray the pain will go away. That's what I want. That's what I want. You say, that's selfish. It sure is. But Jesus said, I can pray, lead me not into trials. And that's what I want. I pray every day, God, keep me from trials. I pray for my children every single day. I have 19 grandchildren. I have 10 adult children, my, my children plus their, their spouses. I pray for them all by name every single day. I pray for my wife every single day. There's 30 of us totally in our family. By name, I call their names and I say, Lord, lead us not into trials. People say, how come things go so well for your family? Well, we have trials, but I don't think we, I think we avoid a whole lot of them because I'm praying every single day, lead us not into trials, deliver us from satanic attack. That's the next thing he says, deliver us from evil. The word evil in the Greek is in the, is in the masculine sense, and it, it means lead us not, or keep us from satanic attack. Le- uh, deliver us from satanic attack. Can I tell you Satan hates you, and he hates all your brothers and sisters? He hates all your brothers and sisters around the world, and what you need to do is you need to pray every single day. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from satanic attack. Pray that for your brothers and sisters. I pray that for the men of our church. I pray that for preachers that I know. I pray that for people that I know, I pray for them. Lead us not into trials. Deliver us from satanic attack. Let your kingdom and your power and your glory be known in our lives. That's what we need to pray. So they came and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And this is what he said to pray. This is what he said to pray. Then he said this. He said unto them, how often should you pray this? Now listen to this. This is so good. Little story. He said unto them, and that's after he told them, by the way, I call that the Lord's Prayer list. It's not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17 when he's praying for us. This is his list. That's another thing you have to have if you're going to be successful in prayer. You have to have a when, you have to have a where, you have to speak out loud, and you have to have a prayer list. And these are the things that Jesus lists that we ought to pray for. There are other things in the Bible that are listed. We don't have time for that tonight. But then he says this, how often should I pray this? He said, he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to that, him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. And a friend of mine is, uh, is coming a journey unto me and, has, has, and I have nothing to set before him. And he said unto him, uh, he, he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, his continually over asking and asking and asking and asking and asking, he will rise and give him as many as he, he needeth. Now, this doesn't say this in the English, it doesn't say it in the King James, but it does say this in the Greek. This is the way this reads in the Greek. And I, am, I, I use the King James, and I'm here with the King James, and I'm just telling you, I just want you to know, because I'm out of time, I want you to see how this reads. He says, I say unto you, keep on asking, and, and it shall be given unto you. Keep on seeking, and you shall find. Don't just ask once, just keep on. Keep on knocking, and it shall go, uh, it'll be open unto you. It goes hand in hand with the story that he just told us. For everyone that keeps on asking, receiveth, and he that keeps on seeking shall find it. He that keeps on knocking, it shall be opened unto you. And if anyone shall ask bread of, of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give Give him, uh, will you give him for a fish, give him a serpent? No, you wouldn't do that. Or he that shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things or give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Here's the deal. The picture here is that you're the person in the middle. You're this guy in the middle. You've got a friend that's come to you at midnight. That friend could be your next door neighbor that's lost and going to hell. That friend could be somebody who comes to you and says, my my daughter is sick in the hospital. That friend could be somebody who's having financial problems. And they come to you and you say, what do you expect me to do about it? There's nothing. You come in here, my, my, my cupboards are empty. I have no bread. I have 
nothing to give to you. There's nothing I can do. Your friend comes to you at midnight and says, I'm starving. We've been on a long journey. My kids are going to die. Come help me. You're that person that's right there in the middle. You have nothing. Your cupboards are bare. And God wants you to understand you can do nothing without Him. You can't win your lost friends to Christ. You can't impact this city. You can't impact Southern California. You can't do anything without Him. You can't be the father. You can't be the mother. You can't be the friend. You can't be the helper. You don't have the riches. You have nothing but you know the one who has it all. And he says, listen, you've got a next door neighbor. The next door neighbor, he owns a bread factory. And so you go to him. You go to him at midnight and you say, hey, it's midnight. And he's thinking, oh, wait a minute. The kids are asleep. You know what it's like when the kids are asleep and finally asleep and the whole house went, and that's what you were waiting for. And then some nut comes to you at midnight and starts knocking at the door and you say, stop it. You're going to wake up the kids. Please be quiet. And he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking. Why? Because he's desperate. His friend needs help and he keeps knocking and finally the kids are up. Everybody's up and, he, and you say, you don't even care. But you say, okay, look, just take the bread and go. Take it and give the go. But you've got a God that cares. Not only cares about you, cares about everybody out there that you care about. And he wants you to come and say, look, America's going to hell. There's nothing I can do about it. My friends are going to hell. My next door neighbor is lost. I don't know what to do. My friend is sick. My friend's grandson is sick. My friend's daughter is in the hospital. God, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do about it. My cover are bare, but God, would you give to me so I can give to them so that your name will be glorified? And that's what prayer is all about. Jesus wants you and I to pray. I encourage you, get busy every single place, every single day. Have a when, have a where. Speak out loud. Go to God and say, let Father, we pray your holy name will be manifest. We pray your kingdom would come. Your will would be done in this earth just like it's done in heaven. Give us everything we need to do your will. Forgive us our sins as we forgive all those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from satanic attack. Glorify yourself through us. Meet the needs of those around us. And let your name be uplifted through Liberty Baptist Church here in Newport Beach. Father, I pray that what we've just shared, Father, would impact the lives of every man and woman and young person that's, that's heard it. I pray that we will begin to be prayer warriors. For those of us that are already praying, I pray you'll challenge our hearts that the only way this country, our neighbors, our friends, our civilization is going to change is if your children begin to pray the way you taught us to pray. And I pray that we will become prayer warriors. And Father, those who are already prayer warriors, God, you'll just intensify. Father, convict, reconvict us of the need to pray daily so that you can work through us. And Father, we can see you move and I ask this in Jesus' name. God, let us not walk away from here just saying that was an interesting message. Help us walk away thinking we've got to do something. We've got to be what you want us to be. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.